Hi, everybody. It's Jamin with Keen Point of View, the best intersection for politics, gay issues, and Christianity ever. Back again with another podcast episode. It's been a long time since one of these is posted, and I am so sorry for that. But I fully intend to, Lord willing, do these with increasing regularity from now on. Thank you for hanging in there with me, though. It's good to be back. And I truly appreciate everyone who has listened to this and who continues to listen and support uh, this podcast as well as Keen Point of View. Happy Memorial Day weekend as well. I always feel weird, you know, wishing people a happy Memorial Day weekend because it's a somber holiday where we remember fallen soldiers who died fighting for our country. And I am grateful for that fight since the American Revolution and especially uh, the Civil War, you know, where a bunch of ignorant losers got what they rightfully deserved and had coming to them. And I am grateful also for how World War, World War II ended for the Allies. I mean, I guess World War I too, but World War II especially. Um, but it always feels weird to wish people a happy Memorial Day considering what has been given up and lost um, so that we could be here celebrating it in this country. The United States of America, the land of the free, the home of the brave, this great country soon to be annexed by Russia. Um, yeah, you know, when that happens, at least the flag colors are the same. So it's not a lot of like relearning. Anyway, um, this week I will not do a yes or no, um, as I did the last time, if anyone remembers that. But <laughs> um, I will do this week uh, things I don't understand about Los Angeles because it's it's overdue. Like I've lived here for a little bit now, and I have a lot of observations about the weirdest city to live in in the United States. No, really. L.A. is my favorite city in the U.S., um, New York is my second, but LA has always been my favorite. And but it is weird, and it is by far the weirdest city I've lived in or spent some time in. And the closest second to that is San Francisco, and it's not even that close. Like, yeah, New York is not as weird as LA. I know people think New York City is weird. It's not. It's not as weird as LA. And it's just uh, three things for this week. Actually, four things for this week about LA. But I'm not trying because I'm not trying to turn this podcast. Uh, into a thing for hours talking about all the quirks LA has. But anyway, uh, before I get started, let me say that I had the most beautiful long weekend in Los Angeles, eating at good restaurants, hiking in hills with beautiful vistas in Los Angeles County with my friend who was visiting from DC, taking him around to all the things that tourists usually go for, plus some things that tourists usually don't go for and finding the right time to tour Hollywood without a lot of slow moving tourists from Wisconsin or maybe Arizona. But, um, I will say that L.A. is beautiful, and I had a really beautiful weekend, so thank you, God, for that. Um, However, these are some of the weird things that I don't quite understand living here. Number one, people who turn corners slowly. What is up with that? Like, say we're all moving in uh, traffic. Angelinos will slow to a stop or one mile per hour and turn a corner. Therefore, I'm slamming on my brakes because I'm dancing to music or texting or trying to stalk someone's hot Instagram account to see if he is now single and almost damaging my car all because someone can't turn a corner at the appropriate speed. Like, speed up when you turn a corner. Like, there's no need to do all that dragging along. And even my friend noticed that he said, what is wrong with people out here and how they turn? Thank you. It's not just me. The second thing I don't get about LA is the 405 after rush hour is done. Why are people just doing whatever they speed the that they want to do in their lanes. Like, for real. The speed limit is 55 or 65, depending on where you are on a 405. And 
I guess people must have PTSD from rush hour because um, I swear they think their cars will break apart if they do anything over 45 miles per hour after rush hour. That's the only valid explanation as to why they choose to drive so idiotically slowly in the left lane or any lane that they're in. It does not keep up with the flow of traffic. You'll have someone doing 40 in the left lane and 70 in the right lane. And in the middle, they just like fluctuate because they're on their phone. The third thing is the flakes, not snowflakes, because we don't get that out here, but the people, the people who never come through. It is understood nationwide that L.A. is the flakiest city in America and that I can I, I cannot argue with. There are people here who never come through more than any other city I've been to. And there are flaky people in general all over. But L.A. is just, oh, my God. The people who say they really want to meet with you and work on things and then back out hours before meeting. What's up with that? Um, The people who say they want to connect with you and be friends and never do it and back away from you when you try to open up a door for it to happen or try to make time to hang out or, like, make a plan. They don't do it. You know, I I don't really understand people that do that or why. And then we have the men who say they're really eight inches, but when you meet them, they're not really, okay, well, okay, so that's an issue, but we will discuss for another time because that's going to take too long in this segment. Number four, the food. There is generally not good food in L.A. Fight me. I said it. It looks pretty, but it often tastes bland and very uninspired. I have only found a a few good restaurants in L.A., and among them so far, with no endorsement from them, or just where I've been and what I've enjoyed. Um, I'm, I'm comparing restaurants to what I had in D.C. because D- the D.C. food scene has stepped up tremendously in, like, the last 10 years. And L.A. really needs to catch up because, like, they think it's good and it's not. People are like, oh, try here. It's really good. It's like, no, this is not good. But what's good? If you come back to D.C. with me, I'll take you somewhere that'll knock your socks off. And it will be for less money than what we're paying here for something that looks pretty and tastes like a carpet. Anyway, these are the best restaurants I've been to in LA so far. Um, Animal on Fairfax, uh, Prank Bar downtown, Mess Hall Kitchen in Las Vegas, Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles on Pico, and Roscoe's in Long Beach. On Pico and Long Beach. Okay? Once again, Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles on Pico and Roscoe's in Long Beach. Okay, got it? Good. Nori Sushi in West Hollywood, Great Maple in Torrance, Milk on, I think it's on uh, Melrose, maybe Beverly. I think it's Melrose, though, in L.A. And Salt and Straw in West Hollywood. And Cino Cucina in Venice Beach for Italian. Like, for real, I have had such a hard time finding good Italian food here. And Cino did it really well. But uh, that's it so far. As I discover more restaurants, I will gladly share them for anyone who's interested in finding good food in L.A. And if you live here and you com- you think I'm wrong about food in L.A. being not as great as you think it is. Please challenge me. I I encourage you to email me. Um, I get the email at the end of the show. But um, maybe we can, like, discuss that or, you know, do a food challenge (laughs) and see who wins. But I guarantee you that I'm going to win because out here in L.A., I really don't know good food, I'm convinced. Anyway, um, moving on, that's enough L.A. weirdness for today. But yeah, I could go on about how the third one about flaky people leads you to finding it hard to find, you know, connections with people out here that go beneath the surface because a lot of people are fake nice here. And that is sad for somebody, you know, from the East Coast like me who likes it a little bit more significant. And I am grateful for the friends I have here who go beyond the surface pleasantries and trust me enough to hold that 
and I trust them enough to hold it. But um, I thought D.C. was hard, but L.A., baby, baby. Look, I'm blessed by God to live here, and I'm very thankful for it. Don't get me wrong, but, yeah, the fake nice thing is just, you know, one of the things that you just got to deal with in L.A. So um, do I like L.A.? Yes, I'm very happy to live here. I'm very grateful to live here. Don't think that I hate living here. I do not at all, by far, do not. But uh, those are the weird things that I don't understand. The things I don't understand about Los Angeles for this week. Um, there may be more um, things I don't understand later as I get to them. We'll probably revisit the restaurant thing later because I, I enjoy food. And um, it was kind of sad to only have really good uh, Mexican and uh, Thai food here uh, to start out with and not really find other cuisines that were as good. Okay. That's enough. You can tell I'm a little jaded. In political news this week, Donald Trump continues to either single-handedly want, want, how can I say this? He single-handedly wants to watch the world burn, or he is advised by people who want to see the world burn and doesn't know any better because they're pumping up his fragile ego. The North Korean summit that he was supposed to attend to meet Kim Jong-un got canceled. And Kim Jong-un said, uh, we aren't doing this summit if we have to give up our nuclear weapons. So Trump says something about not liking that. And it doesn't matter anyway, because the summit is off and Trump is out of the running for a laughable Nobel Peace Prize like child boo. No, if that was even ever going to happen, like, no, really, for real. South Korea's president said that Donald Trump deserved a Nobel Peace Prize for actually doing nothing and getting North Korea and South Korea to the table to formally end the Korean War. But, you know, Trump deserves a Nobel Peace Prize because he's the president of the United States of America and the United States of America was the one that was charging all, you know, whatever. Anyway, Korean War, just, I, Trump really, they really thought Trump, yeah. I, okay. It was bad enough that President Obama got a Nobel Peace Prize based upon his speeches. But for, like, at least do something to talk about world peace and not try to, you know, start wars all over the world. And maybe you can get a peace prize, hopefully. I mean, unless they change the qualifications. But who knows at this point? Shoot. Anyway. So. Um, but back to Donald Trump. Um, he's out of a Nobel Peace Prize, hopefully. And I mean, honestly, can a man who presides over an immigration agency that rips away children from their own families when they cross over into the United States and then loses almost 1,500 children be a man of peace? Or is he quite comfortable with chaos? I think it's the latter. Honestly, Donald Trump, politicos cannot figure him out. He is comfortable in chaos. So if you can operate well in chaos, you can know how to beat him at his game. So anyway, ICE, um, Immigration and Customs Enforcement, uh, enforcement, <laughs> Immigration and Customs Enforcement lost um, nearly 1,500 kids. Now, look, um, you don't lose that many kids. You actually sell them. But that's another point. But besides that, apparently they really haven't lost them, but lost track of where they went when they were given to fed vetted uh, relatives or friends. And they can't determine where they are now. Like, uh, if you ask 
a prison where a prisoner who's been released now lives, they probably could not easily track them down. Apparently, this is what's similarly happening. But I guess it's a good thing because this administration is determined to deport anyone with darker skin than an eggshell. But the bigger question is who is left in the administration to investigate these agencies and make sure it's on the up and up. I don't think anyone's left. I mean, heck, even the DOJ, Department of Justice, presented evidence that they have pertaining to this Russia investigation for Donald Trump to the White House and Republicans like that's normal. That is not normal. Then Senate GOP leader Mitch McConnell said that he supports Mueller's investiga- Robert Mueller's investigation <laughs> after seeing what the DOJ had. So this is America now and like trying to could trying to insert the White House trying to insert itself into an investigation that they're not supposed to be a part of, and then the people involved walking away saying, like, no, I support this investigation. Like, what the heck did you see? Unless this is all a big game to them. But like, what the heck did you see? I'm I'm I am a little concerned now because if it scared you and you're the people who can benefit from the investigation going away and you still want it investigated, oh boy, what is up? Yeah. So anyway, um, This is America now, and I blame every last one of you idiots who didn't vote. And I call you idiots. I do not use that term lightly, but idiots. You felt Hillary was evil and corrupt, but can never really explain why, except for the fact that she has a vagina and dared to run for president of the United States. You felt you were doing something good and noble by voting for that grifter. Jill Stein, who still ain't done a damn thing with the $7 million she took from y'all to keep the vote pure or whatever lie she was peddling for Putin, or felt that because Bernie Sanders wasn't given a fair shot in the primaries as a candidate who ran as a Democrat for the nomination, yet did nothing but bash Democrats and still won't join the party, but feels it's okay to trash a group for being outside of the group, but still use the group's money and influence to try and become the leader of the group, In what world does that make sense? I'm going to stand out here and criticize your company from the outside, tell you what you need to do to make life better for everybody. You're not listening to me. No, I'm not listening to you because you're not a member. Are you going to join the group and help out and change things? Are you just going to keep attacking from the outside? Like, what's what's the end game here? What's the end game? Why are you not attacking Republicans with the same thing? I don't understand why he's picking on Democrats. Like, really? Why are you not picking on Republicans, too? I don't understand why he just won't do an independent thing and get it over and done with. It would be much more effective that way. Seriously. Sometimes I just think y'all want the world to be your way and not realize that voting is often a lot more strategic than some kind of moral good to make your brain feel good about overreading cookies or flipping off the person who you cut off in traffic that day. Please. Vote strategically when it matters. And here's a hint. It's going to matter strategically about 80% of the time. Okay? Okay. In gay news, I want to talk about two things. First, someone on Twitter posted a story about being at a party and minding his own business. Now he's gay. Uh, there was a guy there who was trying to dance with him all night, and, and he eventually let the guy dance on him without giving much attention to him. And when the guy finished, uh, his friends told him that he had just danced with a guy. So the gay guy then um, went back to minding his business and noticed that he was stabbed in his kidney and cut on his body. When the other guy came um, came back in to stab him and ran off, and the gay guy just noticed blood everywhere. He said it happened so fast. Uh, he said he will be fine, and he posted a picture from the hospital. 
in the hospital bed, you know. Um, so there was a comment about why we, as the LGBTQ um, plus the extra letters community, want people to come out of the closet and make fun of guys who are still closeted. Like my own feelings about that aside, personally, I think there is benefit to coming out. I know it, it can do a world of good for the person. It's not about other people, but um, it's for the person. But I understand why uh, some cannot come out even though they're aware that they're gay. Uh, however, there's a difference for this with me. And um, there's a difference between that and living a lie, though. Like, I mean, do DL men know that they're gay or do they just hate the title, even though most things they do in their lives are gay? And most of the people they associate in their lives with are gay and their roommate of 22 years in a one bedroom apartment with them is gay. So anyway, DL men aside, I understand that you can still be closeted, aware that you're gay, but just... Um, not in a place where you're really comfortable coming out. So I, I think there's some room for nuance there, but um, I'm talking about that group. I'm not talking about men who try to hide it because of internal whatever. So anyway, my heart goes out to the young man who posted that about his story of getting stabbed because he's gay and a straight guy danced with him and would not leave him alone because he thought he was a girl. And um, he's not trans. He's a gay male. So I think there's something else to be said for the straight guy in that. Like, I think you knew it was a guy, <laughs> but you got caught and you got embarrassed. And um, yeah, and uh, I'm not laughing at the story. I'm just laughing at like how sad and pathetic and stupid it is to, to, to just have so much self-hatred of yourself and your sexuality, your true sexuality. Anyway, I do think it's sad that the guy could not enjoy himself at a party where he knew um, with, with people he knew, um, all because of a straight man who felt embarrassed because he was attracted to someone he thought he was a woman. Um, if you can't handle how you feel about someone who is the same sex as you, what is attacking them going to accomplish? Like, really, you think that's going to make the problem disappear? No, no, the problem is you. Get your shit together and stop putting it on other people. Can we work on that? Can we? And sort of related, but also not related. Um, I saw something on Twitter that set me off. On um, XO Nicole, her Twitter account, she posted on her site, there was an article written by a straight woman who said that after a bad dating experience, she knew she wasn't a lesbian. So the story basically was of her trying to experiment with a lesbian and then the lesbian became attracted to her, but it was just for fun for the straight girl. And then she wrote the story of self-realization after using a lesbian to get her rocks off and disregarding her, and disregarding her humanity in the process because she was a straight girl just having fun and the lesbian got too serious and that turned into a bad relationship for her and she knows she's not a lesbian because she's not emotionally attached to other women like that broken lesbian was to her. <sighs> straight people. Straight people. And some bi men that I've dated. Yes, I went there and don't apply that to me as bashing all bi people. I'm not. Um, just those who cause the amount of drama in my life that they say they don't want to have in their own lives from gay men. But yet y'all bring that drama to me as a bi man. And as a gay man, I bring no drama to you. So really, who is the queen in this scenario? Back to this woman. Um, and other straight people who want to experiment. Let me tell y'all, we are not here for your enjoyment to get your rocks off unless it's stated that way up front. Don't date gays and lesbians to have a, a sexual experience and have no intention of going further when you give signals that you want to go further. Um, 
As a gay person, it's bad enough for gays and lesbians to deal with their own emotional issues and traumas of just being gay and deal with it within our own groups on ourselves um, romantically to be out here trying. You know, it's, it's bad enough with ourselves and within our own groups. It's bad enough that we have to deal with ourselves and then take on other people's stuff um, to, you know, to just be out here trying to help somebody's ashy son or daughter with their emotional stuff they haven't worked out yet because they're actually straight. So it's a full-time job to work on ourselves and navigate someone else coming into our lives who is gay with their with all their shit they got and then put up with you dipping your toe into the lavender pool just so we can turn into a, a sort of confession later when you're drunk with your friends. Like, bitch, No. So go make out with your straight girlfriend for all that. Hang around your homophobic friends and just gay bash. I mean, don't do that. You should be better than that as a human being. But I mean, we would rather you do that than use us. So stop dehumanizing gay people just because you don't identify with, understand, or accept as valid our sexuality. It's not a game for everyone, and we aren't made in a Mattel factory. And for gays and lesbians getting their rocks off by converting quote-unquote, straight people. Okay, let me say it again. By, quote-unquote, converting straight people. A couple things. Number one, they're not fully straight, so that's a lost battle before you start. And number two, wasn't it hard enough to come to grips with your own sexuality? Like, child, really, do you have the energy to deal with someone trying to work through their shit with their genitals in your mouth? And then they get irrationally angry when they orgasm and then threaten bodily harm to you because they can't handle what they did. I know I really don't want to take the time to help a straight person figure things out while they most likely will stay straight and live a straight lie. Life. Life. I mean life. Yeah. Life. A straight life. Life. In Christian news, the Pope told a gay man that he was born that way and God loved him the way he made him. So that was pretty awesome for the Pope to announce his retirement that way because there's no way the Catholic Church is going to let that man stay Pope after saying that. So it's been fun having Pope Francis around. He's been pretty, you know, um, doing what the Bible says and not what church dogma says in um, his uh, sermons and how he wants the Catholic Church to act and all the conservative Catholics are like railing against him and the cleric, the clerisy, what, what is it? The, 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 the priests and the cardinals, whatever, the, the ones who are more conservative than Pope Francis and they just really don't like him. And so I think it's great that he announced his retirement this way because there's no way they're letting the man stay around after that. But anyway, um, thank you God for these good few years with Pope Francis. Um, it's nice to see that, you know, someone's representing the church who says and tries to do the right things. And, you know, he had his gay friend from college or something, or he knows him all his life. And he had his partner there when um, his first night as Pope at the dinner or whatever. And he had them come and, you know, he's friends with them. So that's good. You know, I, I know some Catholics who have thrown children out of their homes, their own flesh and blood when they came out before they even started having sex. So, you know, thank God for Pope Francis showing the way because... I'm scared the Catholic Church is going to go the other way now. Anyway, in other Christian news, the Holy Spirit has been convicting me to stop cussing. <laughs> no, really, he has. And um, I need y'all to pray for me in this that I am obedient. Because um, every time I cuss lately, um, when it's unwarranted, I get a little ding in my spirit. Just like you didn't have to say that. So I don't know where this is coming from. I don't particularly like it. But um, I'm 
going to be obedient to it. And I know my mom is very happy to hear this because she doesn't like that I curse. But um, I didn't start cursing until I went to therapy at 25. And it just kind of flowed out of my mouth naturally with the right combinations. It really came from listening to my extended family do it for years. And um, so we will see where this leads. Um, My parents don't cuss. That's not the family I meant. I meant like aunts, uncles, cousins. Yeah. I learned it from you. I learned how to do it from you. Um, <laughs> I am sad, though, because, I mean, as we all know, a well-timed F-bomb is just needed at times, okay? Like, you can't get the point across without just saying it. You know, like, maybe I can do that sometimes. But, okay, I'm kidding. Um, finally, <laughs> the last Christian news for this podcast is week. Uh, Twisted Bible Stories, my YouTube series where I take uh, stories from the Bible and revamp them and tell them with the twist. And the twist is actually just telling them as they were written with the historical context included and some little tidbits you may or may not know to, you know, it's interesting to read it on its own. But when you know the background of things, it's like it can be really interesting. And Genesis can really be like a trashy novel at times. So uh, the Bible is not boring. Um, Some stuff is like laws and, you know, numbers. But, you know, other stuff like, okay, Deuteronomy too. But other stuff, Leviticus sometimes. But other stuff, um, Exodus is pretty actionable. That's that's an action book. But other stuff... um, yeah, the prophecy about well-hung men who um, pee like horses. Yeah, that's in the Bible. Um, uh, what else? Uh, God calling Israel and Judah his two prostitute daughters who like to whore it out for well-hung men from other nations. Hmm. Well, I... Some, Sometimes when you're in your lost days, that can sound appealing. I'm sure Israel and Judah had their reasons. But anyway, um, back to Twisted Bible Stories on YouTube. Um, It's officially coming back, and I'm so excited. I really am. Um, I revamped it with some little extras I hope you all enjoy. And the goal of these stories, again, is to tell the Bible stories uh, twisted, you know, as I said, surrounding with surrounding context included, so kind of untwisting them because you often make Bible stories really nice and fluffy and Sunday schooly, and that's just not really what the story <laughs> should be. Like it should be told the real, real, real of what happened. So um, I I find the Bible incredibly interesting and not boring once you know what you're reading. So twisted Bible stories coming back. And now for the closing segment, Trash and Treasure. This week's trash, as always, is Donald Trump. But he has a standing award for that. But um, aside from him is some famous racist white woman on Twitter named Katie, um, who said that Kate Middleton looked classy for her wedding to Prince William and Meghan Markle didn't look classy for her wedding to Prince Harry. Okay, the bottom line is they both look beautiful. And I thought Meghan looked stunning. And I got up really early to see that wedding, to see her look stunning. So yes, I'm very happy that she looks stunning because if she looked like trash, I would be mad that I was up at three, four in the morning to watch. Anyway, she looks stunning. So I don't understand this racist woman. Like, why is that racist skin, the consistency of shoe leather woman, such trash? Did you not hear me say that her skin 
looks like raw sewage mud treatments. I mean, I really cannot make it clear to you how she looks to talk about someone not having class and call someone else like basically ugly because she's not purely white. So um, aside from that, she's one of those conservatives who starts crap online and in the media that is completely racist, but then says she's getting attacked for having conservative political views, which to her basically means anything that doesn't give white people a pass for doing anything they want to do with any regard for anyone else. And then when they get called on it, they say you're trying to silence a conservative. Like, when did conservatism become synonymous, synonymous with racism? I mean, aside from slavery and segregation, because that was the ideology generally that kept those institutions in power for so long. I get that. And conservatism also was uh, lead, led, I mean, the right wing led to Nazism. Okay, so conservatism, you know, taken way to the extreme is very bad. But um, for America <laughs> and slavery and segregation and education, um, I just want to say thank God for liberals in those times. Thank God for liberals being abolitionists. Oh, man, who just wanted to get rid of slavery because it was evil and not because they wanted to win an internal war like Abraham Lincoln did. Okay, I'm, I'll, I'll talk about that at another day, about how he wasn't truly altruistic in freeing the slaves. It was a power move and also to punish the South with the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments. Moving on. This week's treasure is Meghan Markle and the royal family. Gotta say the royal family, particularly Queen Elizabeth II and Prince Charles. I got up, as I said, really early on May 19th, and I was so happy to witness Prince Harry and Meghan Markle get married. I love Princess Di, and I always followed the royal family as closely as I could as a child. You can ask my parents about it. I made them buy magazines that had them on it. Um, I was happy that Fergie got invited. No, Sarah Ferguson, not the singer from the Black Eyed Peas, not her. No, Sarah Ferguson, uh, Princess Fergie, um, the Duchess. Uh, I always liked her, or, or rather her public image. Plus, she's a redhead, and I kind of like redheads. They're rare. Um, I have redhead friends, um, a redhead man with a nice beard and a nice body, I have experience with dating that, and it's very nice. Moving on, I'm out of my life. Um, back to Fergie. She was at the wedding. It was great to see her. Hey, Fergie. And also, shout out to Megan for the royal family, providing and approving so much black culture in the royal wedding. From Bishop Michael Curry in that incredible sermon on love, peppered with Negro spiritual references that y'all didn't get. And the British people were not used to that kind of preaching or the Negro spirituals. And the queen looked very uncomfortable, which I thought, which I mean, she looked uncomfortable during the sermon when he started going off. And I thought that was just great to see, honestly. And the gospel choir, like they were great and singing Etta James gospel tunes as uh, Megan and Harry walked out. Uh, Megan herself, Megan's mom with dreadlocks and a nose ring, the black cellist, just everything. And like, while I'm sure Megan expressed some interest in doing some things, what we saw for the cameras was likely strictly picked out by, for, and in consideration of the royal family. So, shout out to all the treasures from Beckingham Palace and Kensington Palace who did that for Megan, Harry, for the diaspora. I hate how much that word is used now, by the way, but it's the only one that fits. And for the culture. Also, shout out to Megan's black side of her family and her black friends for not acting up before the wedding and the press. Thank God it wasn't us this time. It was the white family. God, racial dynamics are changing a little bit here. So maybe there is hope after Trump after all.
Thanks again for joining me this week. Once again, this is Jamin with Keen Point of View, the best intersection for politics, gay issues, and Christianity ever. Please, 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 if you like this podcast, feel free to share it with everyone you know who will enjoy it and subscribe to it. You can email me at Keen, K-E-E-N-E, point of view at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at K-E-E-N-E-P-O-V. And become a fan on the Facebook fan page at facebook.com forward slash keen point of view. Music this week is provided by underscore Ace Dizzy Flow and Google. Thanks for joining again. Talk to you next time and take care.